Do you have a creative background? <laughs> so I honestly, I would say no, but everyone around me says yes. So I think, you know, we're our own worst critics. But growing up, I, I always told um, my grandparents, actually, they bought me my first art set. And I always told them I wanted to do some version of art. I did not know that this is where it would take me. And I actually didn't get this opportunity until a lot later in life. Today, we're talking to the accomplished furniture finisher, Ann Michelle with Amini Design Ashburn. Refinishing professional now for the last three years, Ann Michelle has proven herself successful turning out unique piece after unique piece. She is our April 2019 feature artist on thezebrablog.com, and her work we're discussing today is highlighted with the podcast symbol on that blog post. Stay tuned as we spend time today learning more about Ann Michelle and her advice on how to give your furniture pieces a sense of uniqueness. Welcome to the Zebra Blog's Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. I'm your host, Lane Ball with Zebra. Hi, Ann Michelle. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Hi, Lane. How are you? Thank you for having me. Well, our listeners enjoy learning about our guests, not only professionally, but also personally. So if you would, spend a few minutes telling us about yourself. Sure. Well, my name is Ann Michelle. I am a native of New Jersey, but have lived in the Washington, D.C. area for much of my life. Currently, I am in Northern Virginia. It's about 30 minutes from Washington, D.C. I always say on a good day, but about 90 on a weekday with rush hour traffic. Oh, yeah, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm a wife, um, a mother. I have four boys ranging in age from 14 to 7 years old. My oldest has actually helped us a lot with our little business um, in terms of our furniture delivery team. So he has a first eye approach to all the action. Oh, wow. That's great. That's so cool to incorporate your family. Your husband, your husband helps quite a bit too, right? Oh, absolutely. He calls himself the muscle. (laughs) (laughs) Now tell us how you got into refinishing and how long you've been refinishing. Sure. So um, my story is probably very similar to a lot of other furniture refinishers out there. Um, We moved to our first home, uh, which was a townhome, into our current home as our family grew. So we quickly went from having too much furniture in a very small space to having a lot more space and not enough furniture to fill it. So furniture refinishing didn't really interest me. I didn't even know much about it um, until I started to go furniture shopping and quickly realized we would basically end up spending our entire budget on one piece of furniture from a big name furniture store. Mm -hmm. So I quickly realized upon actually a visit to my aunt's home in New Jersey that, you know, we needed to find different avenues um, to fill our home. So We ended up taking home with us uh, several family pieces uh, that my aunt passed down to me. And one of those actually became my first piece. And it just sparked this this joy that I get from refinishing furniture. Did you do research? Uh, How did you know what to do? And and, uh, especially when you look at, you know, the stripping part of uh, refinishing and then even picking the right type of paint? So I didn't. I just jumped right in. You know, I live really close to... um, 
a big name paint retailer. And this one is actually designed for furniture. So I just walked in and I read the tin and I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. So I just, I cleaned the piece, you know, I just followed the directions on the can and I just started. So I didn't do any research, especially knowing that this was just a piece for myself. It was kind of like a test run. Yeah. So I was just really happy and in amazement that the instructions were actually true anyone could do it and it actually turned out nice so <laughs> to this day it's still one of my favorite pieces that's nice when that happens and that sometimes the first piece can can be rather frustrating now do you have a creative background <laughs> so i honestly i would say no but everyone around me says yes so i think you know we're our own worst critics but growing up I, I always told um, my grandparents, actually, they bought me my first art set. And I always told them I wanted to do some version of art. Mm -hmm. I did not know that this is where it would take me. And I actually didn't get this opportunity until a lot later in life. You know, I, a lot of people get to find out what makes them passionate a lot earlier, I would say. Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't consider myself, you know, very creative, but I guess those around me would. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. I guess there's that. <laughs> well, you're humble because you're certainly evident that you're very creative. Now, so you did this first piece that you said you brought back from your aunts in New Jersey. So what was the transition from doing this for your own home to actually saying, you know what, I can actually do this and, and make a business out of it and sell pieces? Absolutely. So um, at the time, we had four small children and... I was working outside the home full time and just the stress of being in the corporate world, you know, balancing, having to be a mom, a wife. And I actually was also finishing up a master's degree at the time, wow. which had taken me seven years <laughs> at that point. So I decided, you know, I think I found something that could actually bring me a lot more happiness and probably my family a lot more happiness because they would actually be able to see a role model doing something they love instead of complaining about going to a job they don't love. They get yeah. to experience a different type of person um, happy at the end of the day. So as I practiced more and more on pieces for my home, I said, you know what, I think I can really do it. So this was a few years in the making. It wasn't like, you know, a month or two. It was, mm -hmm. it took time. So it, the more I practiced, and at that point I did research, I did, because knowing that I was going to be selling, I didn't want to experiment at that time on someone else's piece. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure everything that I did would stand the test of time and that I would be, um, you know, a name that they could give to other people and refer me out. So I decided to do it full time uh, after doing a lot of research and learning the ways of doing this as a business. So it's still a balancing act now, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of family and business. But I think with the right tools and knowing the direction you want to go, I think it's possible and it's been successful so far. Yeah. Now, do you do this out of your home? I do. Uh, I call it my studio, but it's really the garage. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's true for most people. In fact, that's one of the benefits of it, isn't it? I mean, the fact that you get to to, to be at home, you don't have to get up in the morning and head off to work. I mean, you, you're heading off to work from the kitchen to the garage, and that's always very nice. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of stress off your shoulders about what you need to wear that day because you're basically... <laughs> 
you're basically in your pajamas all day and you're painful. <laughs> so, uh, it makes it easy. <laughs> it takes the stress off and probably saves some money as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. So now do you set, uh, what type of goals do you set for yourself? By that, I mean, as far as the number of furniture uh, refinished pieces that you turn out, is it is that something that's more casual or do you, are you pretty um, hard and fast about, I got to get this much done, you know, within a month's time? No, I wish I was more by the numbers type. I basically, the pieces that I, I do, I just work on them until I'm happy with them. And I think, okay, if I'm doing this bold piece, you know, this week or, you know, within the next two weeks, I probably need to balance it out a little bit more with sort of a neutral, more appealing to the masses piece Mm -hmm. that quite possibly could take less of time to sell um, in the marketplace versus a bold, which isn't for everyone, but you know, it's, it just takes one. So I don't set numbers in terms of sales. Um, I just work on them until I'm happy with them and until it's something that I myself would invest in. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's really good. You know, we've made it a highlight on the podcast to discuss furniture pieces of the artists we interview. Uh, So let's talk about uh, one of my personal favorites of yours. It's a chest of drawers painted in a lighter green color, and the drawer fronts were stained. It has really unique hardware on it as well, I might add. So tell tell us about this piece in particular. Sure. So I believe that piece, um, I think it's probably close to... um, 100 years old. I know it's from the 1920s. Um, and it's definitely, when I first saw the piece, I knew I wanted to keep the fronts of the drawers as uh, original as I could, not mm-hmm. just stripping, but you know, just keeping some element of keeping it natural. So um, that piece, we uh, stripped the drawers, uh, we ended up staining them. But then for the body, I just wanted to give it sort of like a when I saw the piece, I just thought that it reminded me of being outside. I don't know why. So I did it in that in that green color, um, and it really reminded me of being outside. So when I stripped the drawers, I went over it with a color wash of its watered-down paint um, that's the same color of the body, but it gave the drawers just sort of this little moss effect. Yeah. Sort of like, um, yeah, like it's, I, I don't know, not like, well... It, it just sort of ties it all together because it's not so dark. It has like that little bit of green hint to it. Um, and then the handles, I really liked the contrast of the dark and they're heavy. They're not original to the piece. Um, but then I took the paint and I did um, a dry brush on top to add some elements of the paint to the handles to tie it all together. So the handles actually have a dark Um, base, really, the iron of the handle, and then green on top of it to tie it together. To me, it just reminded me of grass and dirt. (laughs) And you can see when I was staging it, I I just felt like I had to pull some grass in there. So I think one of the pictures I ended up posting was of like a picnic basket with these grass bushes hanging out of the bottom. So, Well, that's interesting. Your comment about um, the drawers and the body itself, um, it really it really means that it doesn't have too much contrast. It's such a nice balance of contrast. I see now why I liked it so much because um, my wife and I love to work in the garden, work outside and landscaping. And uh, um, your description of it is, is really perfect for that. Well, was that a commission piece? 
It was not. No, but it, it did end up going to someone actually who had just bought an 1800s farmhouse. And she said she was really looking for pieces that sort of brought the outdoors in. So I was really happy with where it ended up. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's really neat to hear that. Well, another great piece was a sideboard painted in a blend of blues. And the top was painted white with white hardware. Tell us about that piece. So um, that piece really was your typical 70s style um, buffet with more detailed doors. And what I loved about it when I saw it was that it wasn't so overbearing with its height. I knew that if we wanted to, we could have added feet to it. And we almost did. But when I looked at it, I sort of saw it as a buffet or even a media console. Mm -hmm. So... I went, I actually started with a gray base for the entire piece and I ended up adding some silver leaf and I wasn't too happy with the way it turned out. So I ended up going over it with those layered blues. I added some orange in the corners and then just sort of added brown to add some dimension um, inside the doors and the corners. So it just gave it a kind of um, like 3D effect with those the raised areas of the doors. And actually mm -hmm. inside there's this cute little drawer um, that after we did the gray and the blue, and then we sanded it back a little bit. There's actually a, a video tour of this um, on Instagram that I did, but that's probably my favorite part of the piece is that that inside drawer, it just looks like it's like coastal boho. If that is a thing, I'm not sure, but it just it spoke to me. So <laughs> it ended up going to someone locally, which I'm really happy about. That's neat. You know, I really like too. I don't know that I would have thought to have done this, but but making the top white, it has it's just such a neat effect, especially with the accents of the hardware being white as well. Thank you. Yeah, the top it's it's like a wash of um, a very pale. Uh, I think it was an antique white or a French vanilla type and just watered down. So you could still see the grain of the wood underneath mm -hmm. um, just sort of to give it that little balance, you know, between paint and wood. And sometimes people love to see the grain. Sometimes people don't. I just felt like it was a nice balance between the two. Yeah. Well, it has a nice balance as well with the, the blending of colors that you um, incorporated in, into it. Well, the last piece you mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh, how you started into furniture finishing, you said this was actually your favorite piece, or your first piece. And so tell us, tell us more about um, this first piece that you did. And I'm assuming um, you, you may, may or may not have said that, but I think you still have this piece, correct? I mean, yes, this yeah. was a family piece that you're going to keep and pass down, I would assume. Exactly. So this piece... Um... This was the first one that I did, and it actually lived in four of my family members' homes before I received it. Um, it was originally my great-grandparents' piece um, from Brooklyn, New York, and it made its way down to me um, when I first started. And when I first looked at the piece, it, of course, had the usual problems with antique pieces, you know, chipping veneer, um, the colors were, you know, the patina of the wood at the time, you know, wasn't, it wasn't even. So I knew for our home, I wanted to brighten it up a bit. So I chose a light color, old ochre for it. And I went over the piece and I didn't do any sort of repair um, on the veneer. Again, not just because it was my first piece, but when I saw it, I said, you know what, this is a piece of my family's history. So I want to keep some of that detail in it. 
Um, so I went over the entire piece uh, with the ochre and then I used a clear and a dark wax after distressing it to bring out the detail of the moldings. So it fits in perfectly now um, with our home decor and I don't think I'm going to get rid of it. I don't know if having all boys, they'll want it, <laughs> um, you know, when it's time for them to fill their homes. But it's something, you know, that paint can can handle. If they don't like it, it can always be done again. I think the important part is that it's had so much family history um, in it that I don't think they'll be able to say, I don't want it at all. I, you know, so it that's the beauty of paint. It can always be um, applied in a different color with different techniques to fit their style, but it's definitely a piece that I think will stay in our family um, for generations to come. Yeah, and you've just added more to the history. That's that's exciting. I can't imagine. You may have a fight on your hands if you've got uh, <laughs> several boys that uh, that one of them, maybe, maybe it'd be one of those things it will be in one home for a month and then they'll rotate it into, into other homes. <laughs> Let me ask you the paint that you use. Do you use one particular style of paint um, or do you use a lot of different paints when you do refinishing? I do use a, a variety. Um, in the beginning when I started, I only used chalk paint. Um, it was an easy medium for me to use because, and it still is because it allows you to layer and layer and layer and you can really get the look you're going after. And if you love texture, uh, which a lot of the time I do, it allows you to build that fairly easily. But now I, I try all the paints. I, I use the chalk paint, I use the milk paint um, and different brands as well because they each have something very unique uh, to add. And a lot of the time you can use them with each other. I know it's not widely advertised, but a lot of them um, have the same sort of properties um, and you can build one on top of the other. So it all works out. Well, each of your refinished pieces um, are really unique and they each stand alone with their own personality. So um, let's discuss the process you go through that gives your piece their uniqueness. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Um, in fact, it's funny because my husband pointed out to me that, and it's something unrelated, but in terms of uniqueness, my husband mentioned that when I set our alarm, it's never six o'clock, so five, six ten. It's always something random, like <laughs> six eighteen or six twenty-three, or just out of interesting. <laughs> exactly, it's unexpected, and I didn't realize I was doing that. To me, it was just a normal thing. But uh -huh. um, in terms of uniqueness, I think it's important to give your pieces just that one of a kind feeling that when your client gets it. You know, they can say, you know, this is mine. No one else will have something like this. Um, and it can be something simple as adding a fun drawer liner or a fun stencil to the sides. It could be adding gold leaf on the interior of a drawer, um, maybe using initials on chairs like we did for our kids. We did that. Um, we added our kids' initials for the dining room and surprised them that way. And I, I just shared a photo of it a couple weeks ago. It's something simple that um, you can use like glaze or shading or colored waxes mm -hmm. just to have your piece stand out. And when someone sees it, they know that, oh, you know what, I think this person did that. Or even in terms of staging, um, if you can stage your furniture in a fun way, you know, maybe adding just the little unexpected piece here and there. Um, 
I think it'll make your furniture stand out. And it, I always tell people it just takes one, you know, one person to see it and say, you know what, that piece is for me. So that's, I think it's just simple things you can do that people um, will know to come back to you because you're creating something that basically just speaks to them and they'll think that piece was created just for them. And it, it makes them come back because they feel valued and mm-hmm. one of a kind. Now, do you, when you, speaking of, of you know, adding that, that level of uniqueness to each piece, do you find yourself thinking specifically in that direction, like um, looking at it as you're working on it and thinking, you know, how can I make it more unique? Or do you, do you, it sounds like it's, it's pretty natural for you, um, especially if like the alarm, you're setting the alarm at different times and not even realizing it. But um, <laughs> yes, unfortunately it, it is normal for me. Um, there have been times where I thought a piece looked completely normal and my husband will come home and be like, what were you thinking? And I'm like, well, I don't know. It looks nice. To me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, you know, one person's norm is another person's, you know, out of the ordinaries. I, I, I don't say I specifically try to go outside the box. I just do something that I think I would like. Um, and of course, custom requests are completely different. Um, but these yeah. are just um, fun pieces to create that I hope in the back of my mind, someone else will see the beauty in it like I do. Well, what advice would you give to a refinisher who wants to step out though and do something different with each piece? Would you, um, I mean, it, again, it's, it's very natural for you to do that, for it to just develop as you work on it. But for somebody who's really trying to be unique, would you recommend that they um, step away from it at, at, at certain uh, points in the process and look at it kind of with, fresh new eyes and try to say, okay, now I've got this piece at this stage. Um, why don't I try this, you know, to step outside outside of my comfort zone and to create that unique flair? Absolutely. Um, there's times where I think it's important to look away, to step away, because as you go through different periods of the day, you know, as far as emotional painting, but, um, you know, you might love something one second and then you come back an hour later and you're like, you know what? I need to tone that down. So I think Mm -hmm. it's important to be yourself when you're painting. Um, but also know to walk away and see if you still like it in a couple hours or perhaps even the next day. Um, because again, I I feel like painting is just so um, individual. And yeah. when you're painting uh, with the intent to sell, it's I think it's important to put a part of your personality in it. Um, but at the same time, remember that someone's going to be paying money for this. So, you know, put, definitely leave your mark on it, but think about where it's going. Yeah, and that's what gives it its value. That's what makes a lot of these refinished pieces collectible. They're not collectible today. I believe they'll be collectible in in time. When you get a, a piece in that is ready to be, maybe it needs structural repairs. And of course, you know, you're going to add a color to it. And let's assume this is not a commission piece. How much planning goes into your pieces even before you start? Or do you just start putting down color and then you you start maybe adding colors that you didn't plan to add what what is that what kind of thought process goes through um well if it's a piece that that i know might have mass appeal um like for example something you know that's just boxy and sort of the standard you know dressers that everyone is buying these days um the planning might 
be to make it, you know, sort of appeal to the masses. But if, if it needs a lot of repair, sometimes the best pieces are the ones that are sort of the diamond in the rough. You can see the beauty in it in terms of what it could be. And that's why other people have mm-hmm. passed it by. And sometimes the most beautiful pieces are just, uh, you know, left to the curb because no one else can see its potential. So I think if you definitely can see the beauty in the piece, it does help. Um, if you just have at least the most basic plan for where you think it's going, of course, things don't usually work out that way. Um, and, you know, you can try one thing and, you know, you look back and you yeah. say, you know what, that just doesn't look right. Let me go in this direction. And in fact, you know, with that 70s buffet, that's exactly what happened. I, I thought it would go one way and it ended up completely different. But if you have, I feel like if the framework can be repaired, you make you make it structurally sound. You can basically go in any direction you want, um, knowing that the the structure and all of that is good. You can just put your mark on it. There's lots of things you can do, uh, I feel, in terms of switching direction rather quickly. Um, and that's the beauty of paint. You know, there's, there's stenciling and the glazing and um, texture. So a lot of these mediums you can use, you can change direction in, in a heartbeat. Your plan, as much as you want to plan, it doesn't always come out like that. Sometimes it comes out exactly how you like it, um, but more often than not, it doesn't. And sometimes those are the best pieces that you've created. Well, you're really gifted, Anne Michelle. We really appreciate you sharing some of your processes that give your pieces their appeal. And thank you for allowing us to learn more about you. We hope you continue to enjoy great success in your business. But before we go, I'd like for you to share with our listeners your contact information with respect to your social media and any uh, website or anything like that. Uh, what what uh, information would you like to share so people can get in touch with you and follow you? Thank you so much, Lane. It actually was an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I can be reached on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, under my business name, Mini Design Ashburn. Uh, I believe it's just the way it sounds, A-M-I-N-I, Design, D-E-S-I-G-N, and then Ashburn, A-S-H-B-U-R-N. Well, thanks again, Anne Michelle. You have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Lane. It was a pleasure to be here. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on the zebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at the zebrablog.com. That's the zebra with an i.com. Thanks for listening and happy refinishing.